Welcome to the first Beyond Listening podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Miriam. And we are Open Circle. We are really excited to share with you this podcast uh, that is about bringing our heart, our soul into the world through work. We're going to be sharing with you the voices and the stories and the perspectives of a wide range of people who are living, living their passion in the world. One of the things that um, I've often spoken to my kids about is that um, sometimes we think about work in a certain way. And as we've started to speak to many and varied people about their work, we just understand there's a unique complexity when it comes to people bringing their soul's purpose um, into what they do. So this exploration that we're beginning comes from many decades of our work together and in our individual careers and lives about what it is to lead with our heart, to bring our passions to the world, to bring other people along as they also uh, find themselves through their work and, and, um, and realize their vision, visions in the world. One of my favorite poems uh, quite early on when I started this investigation was Khalil Gibran's poem, about work and he has a line towards the end which says work is love made visible and I found that really confusing I'd always thought about love being kind of a romantic love Um, and what does that mean that work is love made visible and that started a real journey Um, and also a really real listening to what that meant for other people too yeah I think what it means for so many people is is being vulnerable not in the sense of necessarily sharing things that other people don't know about ourselves through our words, but being visible. I think when we're really doing our work, like our personal purpose, realizing our personal purpose in the world through, through doing things, that it's an act of vulnerability because it is showing through our actions, and maybe our words too, but it's showing through through our actions and what we produce or how we do what we're doing, um, who we are at the deepest level. And sometimes it's vulnerable because sometimes we don't know exactly how it will be received or if people will like it or not, or uh, if our great big audacious goals or um, our visions that we're realizing will actually be be real. Well, I I think that reminds me of like the idea of you know, when, I, when I think when I was younger and I first started thinking about work and roles, I had a particular idea of what they were. And I, as I've gone on this journey, what my work has become continually breaks those rules. And that was confronting too, because it was like, well, who am I? Who am I if, if I'm not this role, but I'm not this role? What is it that I'm meant to be? So questions of identity and um, come into at least my journey of purpose, and I've noticed other people's as well. Mm-hmm. So our field is, uh, if we were going to put a box around it, we'd probably call it organizational development. We look at the ways organizations work together. And when we talk about organizations, what we mean is a group of more than one person working together towards a common aim. So we're bringing in there two very different people often, different ideas, different perspectives, different skills, and there's a relationship there. 
and it's not just the relationship between those two people, it's the relationship between those two people and the vision. And maybe even deeper than that is the relationship with this animating spirit that gave us the idea in the beginning. Um, and then it's the relationship between all of those parts and the world, and the world which is changing all the time. Maybe sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's less obvious, but it's always changing. So, so we, we're going to talk to a lot of people that are interested in those, in those questions of how people work together. When, it, when it's successful, when it's not, when it feels great, when it hurts a little bit or a lot. Um, and then we're going to expand out beyond that and start looking at people who, who don't exist within that, the confines of, of our field, um, but are, are, living their, are living their passion in many different ways. Can you remember, can you remember the first memory of when you had a sense of your work? Or when you had a sense of, you know, that that purpose that you that you're bringing to the world. I wish it were so obvious and so <laughs> clear, um, but when I reflect back on it, I think about what I noticed as I was moving through life that other people didn't spend so much time on. Like, I remember very clearly uh, hearing my dad talk about uh, his role as a leader in his small, in his grocery business and the struggles that he had, um, particularly near the end of his, of the business uh, around what to do with it and why he kept working. He kept working not because he was making money anymore, which because the market had changed so drastically and big companies had moved in. And, and taken his market share and, and all of his profit, basically. Um, but he was working because he was keeping people employed. And some of these people he had actually grown up working with in his younger years in the family business. So he had a sense of, um, of family, in a way, with those people. Um, he had a sense of responsibility to them over himself. And he was also navigating a very difficult um, business environment and felt, and I could hear, or I heard, I don't know if he was expressing it this way necessarily, but I heard him um, in that vulnerability of being the one who was selflessly in many ways navigating a very difficult situation for other people. And I don't know if everyone would have heard that story if they listened to him. Right. So I think about okay, that might be something that I'm interested in. That might be somewhere where my work is, that my particular place in the world is hearing those stories and helping people navigate those difficult situations, which include identity, which include um, kind of hard, more hard skills around management, um, which include a deeper, deeper understanding of the environment that we're working in, whether it's outside of our business or inside our business. And um, I can't say that it started when I was 14 or 12 and stocking his grocery shelves. Um, but when I think back, there is a, a thread that, I'm, that I've been following. How about you? So it's interesting. So as, you were, as I was listening to you, all these different images were occurring. And I'm just going to describe a few. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not totally sure how they connected, but maybe you will connect them with me or for me. Um, one of the memories I had when I was younger was 
that was, I think, different to many of my friends was I had this curiosity. So I remember going in, I, I grew up in Sydney, and I remember catching the ferry into town and seeing some homeless people, um, you know, where the ferry came in. And my friends were all rushing off, I've forgotten where they were going. Um, and I remember stopping and like sitting down with one of the homeless people and just being really curious about their story. And actually, he had a really interesting story. He was an engineer, and you know, he then went on to tell me his whole story. I lost my friends. <laughs> they went off somewhere else. Um, but I just had this deep curiosity about what were people's stories and what was behind what I saw. Um, and that also got me in trouble <laughs> because the other image that appeared to me was um, being in the headmistress's office at high school um, and going into the headmistress's office this is in Australia, headmistress, principal, going into the principal's office and really innocently, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to stir the pot, but really innocently going in and I had all these questions about why the rules were what they were because they just didn't make sense to me. And I was like, well, you know, why shouldn't we be allowed to wear earrings? Like, what has that got to do with learning? Isn't this about learning? And bringing on, of course, <laughs> instead of taking my questions with the intent I had, she was like, why are you challenging the rules? And I got into trouble. And, you know, and I, I found myself during my life getting into that same trouble. Um, you, know, I, you know, just another related story is I remember going in for confirmation at church. And it was a similar thing. When I got into the confirmation class, what they were saying didn't make sense to me. And so I asked a lot of questions. And I actually got thrown out of the confirmation class because they said I was being disruptive. And it was so upsetting to me because I wasn't trying to be disruptive. I was just trying to find out how things worked. So I think that was the, those are the two things that have um, driven, driven me is the curiosity of what lies behind the people and the roles that they have and what are the stories behind that. And then also what are the, how do things work and how are they set up and, and why. And yeah, I think those are the things that have kind of driven me towards where we are now. Yeah, I want to just add another story here to, to give some balance to mine too. Um, as thinking about structures and things like that. Um, my mother was a public school educator and her focus um, when she was working was on um, special education. So she was working with some of the more disenfranchised kids uh, in the school systems. And it wasn't until later in her life and my life when she went back to work that she was working in inner city Los Angeles and didn't really need to go back to work financially, but because all of her kids were out of the house and because um, she was driven by her passion for, the, for that work, she went back to work and, and was placed in a very difficult uh, school. Um, and she gave it everything that she had. And I remember, um, I remember when there was a unionization um, effort by the union at that time to get more salary for the, for the teachers and more benefits. And um, she was pretty new back on to, to teaching and she was paid more than many teachers because of her tenure. Um, and so, but she believed in, in in the union and wanted to support the teachers that needed better pay and she could see the way that the system was uh, not supporting teachers the way it could be and so she joined 
and the school district went through and uh, fired all of the senior teachers that had been part of that because they were the highest paid um, and they were a threat to the system and they could easily replace more vulnerable teachers because they were newer, they could replace those more senior teachers with um, with newer teachers that were paid less, were less likely to cause trouble, um, maybe didn't understand the system as much, didn't feel as secure in their in their position, wouldn't shake things up. Not that that was what my mom was doing, but um, another story that really stands out for me. So this interaction between our passion and what we see and what it what is our work to do in the world, and these systems which um, are I think too often set up to simply reinforce the system rather than uh, feed the passion, feed the vision, feed the purpose um, of what they were set out to do. So I know that that's a big part of both of our work, um, and, and I don't mean work in terms of what we're doing now, but our work as um, human beings on, on this planet in this time, in these bodies, in these circumstances, um, is, is understanding that relationship between that passion and systems. Absolutely. I, I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm wondering um, about how that might have translated to you in what you would define as, you know, the the biggest successes in your in your work. Like as I as I think about success, it's it's so often defined in different ways, and, and maybe even thinking about that will define how you see success. Well, I, I think about that like in terms of trust. Oh. When I look at the world right now, uh, we've been through some big changes in the last year. Everybody, um, to some degree, I think has been affected by by COVID and all and everything that's come out of that, um, and political reactions to it, and social reactions, and business reactions to it. And um, in that, in all of the convolutions of that of that change. It's caused a, a fair amount of stress for for everyone, if not, or for many people, if not everyone. And I think it's tested our trust. It's tested our trust in each other. It's trusted our test in the systems, uh, for sure. Um, it's trusted our. It's a, it's a challenged our trust in ourselves uh, to some degree. And if and I and I what I've seen in change processes is that trust is the thing that that gets us through. So when that trust isn't there, it stalls it stalls our ability to adapt uh, together through change. And maybe even individually too. If I don't trust myself that I can um, see through a crisis in life, like a loss or uh, a gain, like a new job or a new role or um, or some other challenge, if I don't trust myself, that process is going to be much scarier. If I can't trust people around me in a collective process of change, uh, that process is going to be really difficult. So the greatest successes that I've seen are where that trust is there. And then I think when I've been successful, it's because we've been able to show them the arc of the journey from where we are now to a future state. Um, and kind of pulled back the curtain on, on the steps along the way that we would take to get there. Even if as we take each step, the world begins to look differently mm. um, and we can't predict what, how it's going to look or how we're going to look to ourselves, how the client's going to look to themselves. 
um, but we can say we're going to take these steps and this is what it's going to look like um, and let them know that there's a lot that we can't explain or um, predict up front, but we're going to walk that, we're going to take mm-hmm. those steps with you. And I think when it comes down to it, all of that comes down to, to building trust with us and then building trust with, uh, therefore building trust with each other because we can lead that process of building trust with, within their group. Yeah. And, um, and I think on the inverse of that is where, where the failures have been. So a lot of when, when you and I started working together uh, in a bigger way, um, it was at an organization a nonprofit organization that was quite complex in the power relationships and in the work that was being done and the challenges that were there. And because we were both executive directors leading a change process and it was um, already a very untrusting organization, um, I think that what we came, even though we were able to make a lot of really great internal changes that led to great success for the organization for a period of time, um, I think that there was a distrust from the board uh, to us because of our position in the organization, because we were executive directors. Um, I think there, and even though we did everything that we said we were going to do, and even though um, we sh- we demonstrated our integrity, I think there was a distrust, uh, a sort of built-in distrust in the system towards anybody who was in a role of power. That that anyone who was in power had a role of power would be using it for their own self-interest rather than the interest of the organization, which of course we've come to understand <laughs> and share is often not, doesn't necessarily need to be uh, objectively true for it to have an impact. Um, and there are psychological bases for that and structural bases for that, which, we, mm-hmm. which we, we've come to understand better. So, um, so I, you know, I would say the greatest failure uh, in my career um, was a failure of trust that I'm not sure I could have really, I'm not sure I could have done anything better given the circumstances and my circumstances, um, but which definitely taught me something about what it is to lead an organization through change. Yeah, I learned so much through that situation. Um, you know, I think the, the, you know, early in my career, I, I took on a definition of success, which I thought it was meant to be. So when I started this company in Australia, I thought, well, success meant economic success. You know, that's, that was, you know, what all the business coaches said. You know, it's economically successful. I can buy a house. You know, the, the, the company is thriving. And I remember at the point when that happened, that I had this empty feeling, so empty, and, and it didn't feel like a success, even though many people who were looking at it said, oh, this is successful. And when we were going through that period, I was really like wondering, you know, and it, that was after it finished, and I'd gone through the grief of actually that organization dying. It was, it was quite a lot. And I was really going, well, what, what was the success out of that? Like, what did I really feel... Um, not only that, that I gained, but that the world gained from it. And I went out and looked, and I saw that 80% of the people in that organization had gone off, actually I feel emotional as I say, say this, had gone off to start their own organizations and had taken the work that we had done to a new level with their own bent on it. And I was so proud and joyful of that. 
it was this thing of like, wow, whatever we did in that organization set people up to be confident of what they could do and to take the work further. And I feel like that's a large part of what we're doing, both with organizations, with employees, with the facilitators we work with. It's this thing of um, being able to take the work that we offer as a kind of spark for their own um, creativity. You know, I'm thinking of an organization we're working with at the moment who I think we're in our third year now of working with them. And we'd had a break from working with them and I went back into a board meeting. And it was just this moment of like, Wow, <laughs> they had taken the work to a whole new level. It was operating in a really generative way. And they were saying, look, you know, you, you did this. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> you've taken, you've taken, I'm learning from you now. You've taken this somewhere way beyond that we had thought of. Um, and how joyful that is on an individual and collective level. Um, yeah, of, of kind of opening the door of possibility. I was thinking to ask the question, what, what do you think is, what do you think is unique about we are open circles approach? Um, and, and as you were saying it, I think for me, I, I kind of answered that question. I mean, I could say a lot of things about how we talk about organizations and how we look at, um, you know, how we've placed vision and spirit at the center of organizations as this mysterious animating force, which I think is pretty unique. Um, <laughs> and how we train people to, to protect that and to nurture that rather than protect the structures and give them tools for doing that. I think that's pretty unique, but, but at the end of the day, I think that um, what, what's most unique about us um, and what we do, and probably not the best business model uh, <laughs> or marketing pitch, is that we don't provide um, an easy answer. Um, but what we do is provide a way for the organization or the leader to, or leaders to um, find their, to find their answer again and again and again to the solutions at hand, or to the issues at hand. Excuse me. Um, and so, I, like for example, one of our current clients um, brought us in to uh, address conflict in the organization. And we launched into a year-long, at, at this point, a year-long contract with them to um, really explore tensions in the organization. Some of them look like conflict, um, but a lot of it was, was structural. T what we discovered as we, as we assessed the organization was that there were many tensions in the organization that were being um, dismissed or brushed underneath the carpet or being held by just a few people um, who could understand it more broadly, um, but there was a lot of identification with one side or the other. And so we, we launched into a, an educational process and a facilitative process about um, working with that tension at the end of the day and, and um, then building systems around, around that rather than just here's a conflict Here's a way to um, to end the conflict in your organization, or here's what here's a process that you do every time that conflict comes up. Um, and while that's a much more difficult process for for a client, and it's probably more difficult for us, and definitely definitely more difficult as a sales pitch, um, the results are organizations that are empowered 
from inside rather than w ones that need to continue to bring in outside consultants or continue to uh, rely unnecessarily on um, outside structures to, mm. to e eliminate those tensions or eliminate those conflicts or struggles in the organization um, and, and actually limit their potential for, for growth and ad adaptation because they're not actually harnessing the power that's already there. Mm. So I, I think as a big orienting, um, the big orienting kind of thrust of our organization is, um, is empowering organizations to empower themselves from, from within. Yeah. It's, um, as you're talking, I had this realization this morning. <laughs> I'm going to get emotional again <laughs> because, um, you know, at the moment I'm far away from my, from my daughters. They're in Australia and we're here in America and, um, and I, you know, we've spent a month doing this work around tensions and really developing it and I, I, I had this emotion, I've been having these emotional moments with my daughters um, because it's really influencing me how I'm, how I'm doing, which might be... <laughs> The most important work that um, that that I that I do, which is how I interrelate with them, um, and I've often viewed my role as a mother and a parent. I've I've often seen so many failures, you know, of not being able to keep the family structure together. I've been through divorce, and you know, and um, and in the in the work we've done in the past month, I'm starting to free myself up from what I think I should be doing to really seeing them and um, these conversations that we've been having as I see them and hear them and, and speak to them, both in my role as a parent but as, as kind of one human being to the other, um, you know, I would see that as the effect of our work on me as being one of my great successes. But I thought about my, my daughter and, and, and I'm thinking about her now and what, how that relates to what we're doing. Um, and it is really related. I, a lot of people gave me a lot of advice when, uh, before she was going to be born, everything from, um, oh, I'm really sorry that you're having a baby, <laughs> to, oh, that's the great, this is the greatest thing that, that's ever going to happen in, in your life, probably. And um, one, of the best, one of the best nuggets of advice that I got was not to read all the books that you could about this process. Um, but to let her, but to trust that she would teach me everything that I needed to learn just before I needed to learn it. And um, which said to me, pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention to what's really happening and, and trust it all as part of a natural process. Um, and it's worked out so far, you know, like the day before she goes to open, she can start walking to open up the cabinets. Uh, I got to, you know, okay, I think we need to start locking up those cabinets. And the next day she goes over and tries to open it, you know, and things like that, just f from the very practical and pragmatic to, um, you know, the more relational and, and less clear. And I, I think that that's a lot of, um, yeah, we had a question last night. We were working on polarization in, in an organization, the polarization of different ideas and positions. And one of the guys said, but science says that everything is polarization. It's, it's positive and negative ions, I think he said. And they're constantly in relationship with each other. 
and so you're saying that this is bad, and we said, no, 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 sorry, we didn't mean that. What we meant is this is good. But if you get stuck on that the positive ions are the, are the best ones, and the negative ions are something we need to get rid of, then the whole basis of the physical world falls apart. Um, if I get stuck on my a fixed idea about what it is to be a parent, and my daughter is needing something very different, or teaching me potentially teaching me something very different and I can't step back and just see that it's a relationship, then, um, then that would be a failure to me. Yeah. It, this is taking me back to your question of what is unique about our work. And I think that's for me, like everything we're talking about now is one of the things that's really unique. It's this um, listening. For me, I had such a separation um, between... Um, you know, who I was personally and who I was at work. And for me, that separation stopped me listening to the different information I was receiving. And I think that's really unique about what we do too. It's, you know, just that example of those two things. It's like listening to different elements of the ecosystem, different parts of yourself, different roles that you play, and letting that move you and letting that move the way that your purpose or passion in the world interrelates with the world or interrelates with your role or interrelates with your work and sort of stops you having this fixed idea of what you should or shouldn't do. And I think that's also really unique mm -hmm. um, about what we're offering. Yeah, the last thing, I mean, we've talked about our or a bit of our origin stories um, kind of a philosophical or poetic container for this podcast series. Uh, we've talked a little bit about our failures and our successes and how that's informed what we do. And one piece, and then, our, then bringing in other parts of ourselves, which might be unexpected for people that are listening to a podcast that seems to be about work, um, like our family. Um, and, and, one thing that I um, that we haven't talked about yet, and and I think want to talk about and share and hear about, is the relationship with the more than human world. So um, I think many of us who are, who are listening to this will have spent many working hours um, in relationship with other human beings, and less so in relationship with. The, with the non-human world, um, unless we're counting our <laughs> office walls or the, or the the walls of the the store or the, or the you know the factory, um, but now in a world where where all of those non those non-human factors are really impacting us, the whether it's a virus or um, the changing nature, the changing um, changing resources. Uh, a changing climate. You know, might, we might have different ideas about why that's happening, but it's almost certainly happening according to science. Um, a changing climate, which is effect, affecting everything that we do uh, or will be. So I'm curious what, for, for you, what role that, that plays the more than human world or nature, if we want to look at it as a, as a division. You know, I think some, that's yeah. useful for some people. Um, but but what is the relationship with the non-human world? Oh my God, that's such a good question. I'm so glad. I couldn't help, I mean, this is a diversion, but I couldn't help think of, thinking of Gino as you were talking, our fly fisherman um, guide, who we had a few weeks ago, um, and just how much 
um, through him talking about fly fishing and the river, how much I learned, um, not just about the eco-environment, but how much I learned about myself and about him. And yeah, so it's a great question. Um, one of the things that came to me as you were talking was that really before we, or as we were starting, we were open circle and actually quite soon after we met, I started to, one of the, one of the really big moments, I guess, changing moments in my life was to become really conscious of how the more than human world nature affected me and my relationship with it. And I, I came to realize uh, this thread throughout my whole life of at moments when I have been troubled or not known what to do, I've always gone. I've always gone to the to the sea or to the mountain or I've always gone to those places just as a place where I could listen and hear beyond all those kind of stuff that was happening. And I just started to become more conscious of it as we were starting We Are Open Circle and um, how much... I actually, in the conversation with Gino, this came up, how much my conversation with myself and my conversation with other people changes when I let that in um, and when I notice it and let it affect me. Um, and so, yeah, and, and I'm even thinking now of conversations we're having with people on Zoom when they're holding their pets in, in their lap and how, it, how it's completely, you know, sort of changed some people, having their pet near them or you know, their cat running across the screen and acknowledging that. and So, yeah, I would say that it's always been there, that relationship for me. But in this, as we came into this work, I became so much more conscious and almost reverent, I would use that word reverent of it, of like <laughs> the mystery and the beauty and the, the, the magic of it. And, and it kind of brought me back into life, recognizing that in all different situations. I was, it was a letting go of my control and thinking I, you know, my illusion of control, thinking I could somehow, you know, change the world or, or something, you know, I could orchestrate something and actually just letting things be, letting myself be in the movement of things and really seeing what part I was playing and what I wasn't. And I think that's what I continually learn from nature. It kind of resets me into that, that mode. Cool. Are you going to answer it now? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I mean, you taught me some of that. That was, that was part of what you brought me. So I'm deeply grateful for that. I mean, I, I always, I think I learned this from my dad and, and to some extent from my mom, I'm sure too, um, and maybe from somewhere else, but I always felt like the real reality was out there. Um, and that sort of was problematic when it came to, you know, career choices or where I went to school, um, and the effort I put into <laughs> things <laughs> on the human level. Um, but I, but that was a, definitely a thread in my life. Um, and I didn't think too much about it, but since I was a little kid, I would, my favorite place to be was swimming in the ocean or, or riding waves. And, um, it was probably an escape to some extent, um, from being a, preteen or a teenager um, and being an adult uh, 
but I, I think I was always looking or believed that there was some essential wisdom about life that, that lived out there and it wasn't available uh, in school and it wasn't available um, through, through the dominant learn the ways that, that my society, the society I lived in uh, learned things. So, um, so I think that that's, you know, still present that there's only so much talking you can do before you run up against the limit of human understanding and, um, and for, to get beyond that limit, you have to go beyond human understanding and, and, um, and really immerse and, and sort of, we have to make ourselves students in some way or another of, of the bigger story of life. Yeah. And when you were talking about that, like the healing capacity of nature, um, and from what I've seen in people that we've taken into uh, more wild places, is that over time there is less of a kind of stuckness in our in the small story of our life and more of a freedom to to expand into the the bigger story of nature, which doesn't mind necessarily when something dies or when something when one thing eats another um, that renews itself because that's what it does uh, and that relies on every piece in an ecosystem relies on every other piece and and probably feeds back into it um, and I think the in, in that narrative humans are a part of that humans are part of a, a natural system and Everything that happens between humans is part of a natural system, um, and you know natural systems are born and they die, and we want to kind of be on the side of life for the, for the most yeah. part, um, even if it doesn't look like what we we think it should. Um, really, from a pragmatic perspective, more recently thinking about how obvious it is that we are part of a bigger system, and for businesses and for organizations. Um, really trying to find ways to drive that home. Not because it's a, a moral responsibility, yeah. although it might be, <clears throat> but um, when it comes down to a bottom line or the surviving of a business, um, it's, it's crucial that, that most businesses are paying attention to what's happening uh, in the world because it's impacting us and we're impacting it. Yeah, I think that's why I got so excited about this podcast <laughs> because when you... Um, when you kind of opened it up to tell stories of not, not just experts in this field, but, you know, really hear the stories of people who are following their passion in their work and expressing it in the world. For me, I, I so often have learnt more from that. It's like looking at something from a completely different lens and being able to see it in a different way and the value of that. So, yeah, that's, that's why I'm so excited to be interviewing some different people and to really see like what do what do these questions mean to them when they're you know when they're expressing their work in this particular way and yeah and so we're going to be we'll probably get some really great opinions and ideas about things but our focus is going to be on stories because opinions only go so far and they give you the sense that they're fixed or that they're going to stay the same or that they always were Whereas when, when we hear stories and when we share our stories, uh, we really get a sense of, of the complexity and the richness that got us to those, to those ideas, that got us to where we are now in our work. Um, and, 
and they're also they also tell a story of movement and constant change, which is is something that we're we help organizations, we help individuals both acknowledge and then um, fully embody all the gifts of where they are now, um, and and continue to grow and continue to to adapt to what's happening, and that's that's a story. Yeah, so. yeah. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for some interesting stories and. Um, through which we will learn, most certainly, <laughs> and through which um, we're hoping many people who listen to this can learn and grow and, in their understanding and be inspired. 